What's going on guys? Welcome back to another episode of Coffee and Van Chats. My name is John Kroom. If you haven't already, please make sure you hit that subscribe button, leave us a review. It really helps us out a lot. And I just want to go ahead and give a huge shout out to everybody that came up to me this weekend at Southeast Gravel here in South Carolina, uh, letting me know that they listen to the podcast, that they really enjoy the podcast. It, it was amazing. So if you were one of those people, Tim Coffee, one of those guys who came up to me and said you like the podcast, thank you so much. Uh, it, it really means the world. Uh, if you haven't already, please make sure that you go check out our new coffee mugs, our socks that we've just released uh, with Defeat. And you can do that by going to johncroomcycling.com or coffeeandvanchatspodcast.com and click on gear. And you can order that today. If you want, just shoot me an email at info at johncroomcycling.com and uh, we can put together a package for you so uh, go ahead and do that and that would be great yeah we'd really appreciate that but anyways let's go ahead and dive into this week's episode with Zach White Zach White is a mountaineer uh, he's an ultra runner he's done triathlons I believe I mean he's kind of done it all but this man is gearing to hike Everest in 2022 and I remember coming across this guy and thinking, there's no way, Zach on Everest on Instagram. And uh, yeah, supposedly this is a thing. You you hire, I guess, some Sherpas or some people to go with you and mountain guides to, to climb Everest with you. And so he walks us through how he's training for that, why he wants to do that, and how long he's been prepping for that. And it kind of just makes you believe that there's no limit to really anything in life. So uh I'll just quit talking. Let's go ahead and dive into this inspiring podcast. So please sit back, relax, and enjoy this episode. This episode is also brought to you by Spot. Guys, you've heard me talk about this over and over and over again. And events are coming back. We've just heard that, you know, everybody's hopefully going to be vaccinated here in May or at least have the opportunity to be vaccinated. So that means events are probably on their way back and that is going to mean that you want spot because in the event of an injury, you're gonna want spot on your side to make sure you can cover those lofty medical bills if anything crazy happens. Spot covers up to $20,000 per injury. And they recently just partnered with USA Cycling. So those members can go over to their site right now and be covered by Spot today. So all you have to do is go check out the link in the description below or go to croom.getspot.com. That's croom.getspot.com. What are you waiting for? Get covered today so you can go out and do those crazy adventures without any stress or any worries. That's croom.getspot.com. This episode is also brought to you by Bike Hardcore, guys. We've had this conversation and uh, gravel season's kicking in and I know you guys are getting your bikes extra dirty, especially with all this March madness of rain and spring weather. So be sure to check out bikehardcore.com to get all your bike cleaning goodies that you might need and to keep your machine running well and smooth. Um, all you have to do is go to bikehardcore.com or you can check out the link in the description below and get 15% off using code Kroom at checkout. That's 15% off your first order using code Kroom at checkout. All you have to do is go to bikehardcore.com and yeah, you can have a clean bike pretty much all season. So go check them out at bikehardcore.com. 
This episode is brought to you by Chamois Butter. Guys, if you haven't already and you've been riding a bike without chamois cream, I do not know what you're doing. It's honestly what helps me get through these super long rides, like this race this past weekend where I'm just pretty much pegged on the nose of the saddle for the entire race. I am a huge fan of the Euro-style chamois butter. So all you have to do is go check them out at chamoisbutter.com. That's chamoisbutter.com. Or you can shoot me an, uh, an email at info at John Croom Cycling, and I'll even send you out a sample pack so you can try it for yourself. And I promise you, it's something that you'll never ride without again. So check them out at chamoisbutter.com or shoot me an email at info at johncroomcycling.com. This episode is also brought to you by Panaracer. I was lucky enough to use the Panaracer Gravel King this past weekend at the Southeast Gravel Race in Clinton, South Carolina, and I'm a huge fan of it. I use their classic Gravel King, which is about a slick tread, and I uh, use their 700 by 38C, and this course was set up around 50% gravel, 50% road, and that had me feeling pretty comfortable and pretty confident in the turns with gravel and uh, loose sand, but then super, super fast on all the road sections that I had to offer during this course and yeah they offer all kinds of tires in the gravel king so all you have to do is go check them out at panaracer.com and uh, select the gravel king that you might think fits you the best so that's panaracer.com that's panaracer.com all right guys welcome back to another episode of coffee and van chats i'm hitting here with zach white other words known as zachary white or known as zach on everest um, I came across this guy's Instagram and uh, read his bio, and sure enough, I read it right. This man is trying to climb Everest in 2022. Um, so we're going to dive a little bit into that. But anyways, Zach, how are you, man? Where, where are you at right now and what's going on? Yeah, I'm doing good. Uh, thanks for having me on, John. Um, my name is Zachary White. I technically live in New York City, but I spend about half my time in the Pacific Northwest. Uh, right so, now, I'm in Seattle, Washington. Um, right. living with a couple buddies. Um, I'm out here for two months and just training to climb uh, Denali this, this year, which is the highest point in North America. And then, um, obviously that kind of leads into the, the bigger climb of Everest next year. So, uh, planning on full-time moving to Washington state in uh, August, man, that that's insane. So what, like what triggered that? Like, where do you come from? Like what, what idea, like, how does that even come to the forefront of your brain? Yeah. So I, I think, what was it in 2016? Um, if you go, if you scroll all the way to the, the first post on Instagram, yeah. um, literally it's, it's me like deciding that I want to climb Everest, having almost no experience in mountaineering, um, never really run that much, um, never been like super outdoors. Like I, I grew up in the outdoors, but, uh, never really, spent that much time, like really invested in it. Um, and I think 2015, 2016, I saw some people climbing it. There's some really cool photos and it just really piqued my interest. And I was like, Hey, if there's people doing that, like I can figure out a way to do it. I can yeah. figure out what they did work all the way backwards and where they started because you have to start somewhere and I could do that too. And I think my mindset is usually setting big goals, breaking them down and figuring out how to achieve them. Um, so Everest is like that North star that I have right now and have had, um, for the last five or six years, uh, but it's stemmed and created a, a bunch of different avenues for running triathlon, things like that. So that's yeah. kind of where it started and we can talk about more about how it branched off. 
Yeah. Well, how did, how did it branch off? Like, I mean, like, cause it looks like you've kind of done it all. Um, whether that's ultra running or triathlon. So like, how did you, yeah. Like what, what, what were the reasonings behind that and kind of what's your thoughts on that? Yeah. So, so when I initially set that North star, like, okay, I'm going to climb Everest. Uh, I started doing a bunch of research and they, they meaning like people that were just writing forums of have climbed Everest or saw or interviewed other people that have climbed Everest. They said, if you are a marathon runner, you tend to do better at high altitude and in mountaineering because mm -hmm. the way that you mountaineer is long, slow days in the back, the back country. And by being a marathon runner, you understand how your body it takes in nutrition, how you exercise, how you recover, and all of that feeds into being a success, successful mountaineer. And from the beginning, I was like, okay, well, I, I think I've done one 5k and I was like, okay, well, I'm going to look in over the next year, I'm going to figure out how to run a marathon. And looking back that it's like, it's crazy to me, like starting from literally square one to running a marathon to then going on running like hundred miles or hundred plus. Um, so that's where really where like the running came into it. And over that course of uh, one year, I really fell in love with mountaineering because of the running aspect of it. Like the cardio just gave me tons of energy. I was always in really good mood because I was getting more endorphins. I was eating more and I was just enjoying life in general. So, um, running eventually stemmed into like trail running and yeah. running uphill, um, not just road running. So I got into trail running, which I started doing like my first marathon was a trail marathon. So I did 26 miles out in like a, a trail. It took me a while to do it, but I just fell in love. Um, it was during a snowstorm actually. So or right after a snowstorm. So I was running on trails that were just covered in snow and it was like, I was running in the back country, like Narnia. And it just like, excited me to no end. Um, so then over the next couple of years, I just started running more and more. And then I eventually did a marathon in New York and it wasn't like the New York marathon, but it was just one in, um, the, the Hamptons. And after that marathon, I was like, Hey, I could probably keep running. And I know there's, there's one gentleman who I became friends with a few years ago that talked to me about after running his first marathon, um, the progression he went into running uh, the Moab 240, which is like the 240 mile ultra marathon. It's like one of the longest. That's the Mecca. That's like the Mecca ultra marathon, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's the one that takes like four days. Some people can do it in like two and a half days, which is absolutely crazy. But um, you usually like sleep a little bit during it because it's so long. Um, but he told me about it and my jaw just dropped, but it planted this little seed in the back of my head. And I was like, over the next couple of years of training, I was like, there's somebody that's running 240 miles. Like, why couldn't I do that? Yeah. Uh, so that branched into there, but um, I'll, I'll pause there. Do you have any, any questions? No, no, that? no, man. That's, that's awesome. Like that's, I could go on that, and on. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's perfect. And so like, is anybody going to do this with you? The, the Everest trip? Yeah. Yeah. So cool story. I I've been planning to do Everest for a while and I ended up meeting this guy when I was running the Moab 240 uh, we, I think we ran like 15 or 20 miles together and he was a mountaineer and I think he, he does like training for the government or the military and his name's Jason, but we talked a little bit about like, Oh, someday maybe we'll do Everest. And then immediately after that race, like we were messaging each other, like, all right, let's find some outfitters to get us up the mountain, some guides, and then let's get this ball rolling. So we found a guided group and, um, so him and I are going to do it. And then there's another guy named James who's out of, I think, 
uh, somewhere in Canada, but we're all going to do it together. So um, luckily we'll be under like supervision of a guide who can show us the mountain. Um, and you, you, I think you're required to have a guide as well as like a Sherpa uh, guide as well, um, just to support the local economy. But I was about yeah, to say like how many, number. how many people have actually done this in full? I don't know the number off the top of my head. Um, is it, is it small or is it more than I think? It's, it's probably a few thousands. Okay. Um, let me, I'll look it up actually right now. Cause the number isn't like, it's not that big, but there's, there's plenty of people do have done it and there's a good infrastructure to do it. Um, some people tend to think it's like, it's pretty easy cause there's a lot of fixed lines. Um, but the like from an actual like climbing standpoint it's not super technical so like i won't have like crazy ice axes and like going up a waterfall it'll be like a pretty standard route that's been repeated over over a few times um but i'm hoping getting into mountaineering in this way is like i'm self-training a lot of the background knowledge that takes to go up and climb it like in my mind i want to see how far i could take myself if i was doing it on my own um just in the back of my head not not really but saying like, okay, do I know all of the steps to get me up to the top and get me back safely? Um, and what don't I know so that I can learn from the guys that I'm with so that later on I can do some more, like even more intense climbs. Yeah. So, so that, that all being said too, like, is like, because if they have guides and things out there anyway, I mean, there, there has to be like people that have done it maybe twice, three, four times. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, I think the people who hold the the biggest record for it probably around like 15 times maybe are the local Sherpas because they're, they're the powerhouse. They're superhuman athletes that live up in high altitudes and like whatever work I'll be doing, there's probably a Sherpa that's doing three times the amount of work just to get me to the summit. Um, which is crazy to think about because it's like, I put in all this training, all this effort and you have like these local people that, they just live and breathe the mountains and they're, they're hauling tons of weight, tons of gear. Um, and it, it's just really incredible. How long are you expecting this to take you? Yeah. So I just requested off the time of for work. Um, I'm a, a business consultant. I travel okay. usually, um, but I'm going to take about two months off. Okay. So two so, months off. Yeah. So it, it's not even like, yeah. Cause I was wondering when you were like, yeah, yeah. I just uh, t- asked for the time off work. I thought you were going to tell me that you just put your two weeks in. Um, <laughs> and like, that's the, cause like, I'm trying to think of like how this would happen, but, um, but yeah. So I kind of want to go back to the, the Moab 240. Yeah. Um, do you have any crazy stories from the Moab 240 or any crazy experiences from that event? Yeah. So I like, that's by far one of my favorite events that I've done. Um, I had my, uh, my parents actually came and then I had a group of like four friends, like some of my closest friends that were there helping me through the whole thing. And they were like the support crew. Um, they're like the, at a pit stop, like they help you and make sure you have everything you need. Um, but so shout out to them, but like some crazy experiences were, um, after the third day on like one of the final days, like I started hallucinating and, before I ran it, I was like, okay, people are saying they're hallucinating. It can't be true. But after that little sleep, I think I was, I slept four or five hours over the course of four days. Like my brain was just filling in all the gaps with like, so it didn't have to process things. And it was like creating these like crazy visuals where like trees would look like, um, look like faces, like cartoon faces. And this happened for like a couple hours. I had to sit down and like actually like sleep 
because um, it was oh, kind wow. of freaking me out. Um, and then let's see other crazy experiences. Oh, I was in the middle of the woods, probably 2 a.m., one of the coldest nights, one of the highest points in the the, um, the course, which I think was 9,000 feet. Um, but my partner and I, we bumped into this guy who I think was a little bit lost. He had hit his head and he had like been going in circles and he didn't know where he was. Um, but we met up with him and then about 10 minutes later, we just shined our headlamps out into like the, the forest and we just see like two or three set glowing eyes. And th- like, this is territory, like cougar territory. It was in, it was in Utah. And it, we, we were just so freaked out cause I was exhausted. So I'm like, I don't really know if it's there. I confirmed with my partner, like that he was like, yeah, um, this is, this is really happening. Um, and then we ended up, we like hauled as fast as we could out like clicking our sticks, like our walking sticks together to make noise to like let them know we're there and not try to startle them. Um, but then like we went probably half a mile, we looked back and there was the eyes were still there. So like whatever it was, was following us and freaked us out because That's one, there was a cougar attack literally the day before or like the day after. Um, or there's a video where this guy was filming and he was like backing up. There's a cougar trying to come at him. So that was the same time? I was going to say, I've seen that video. That was video. like literally the same time. And like, is the same, like, um, same area, maybe not same area, but somewhere in that. <laughs> well, that's that insane. Yeah. I was about to say, man, was that you on that video? But I guess it was at night. So, yeah, <laughs> man, I don't know how I would handle that uh, for sure. Um, so are you like being coached by anyone or like, are you no, just kind I, of just free balling this? Just kind of free balling it. I like what I love about it is that I love what I'm doing. So I haven't really, I don't know. Like, I, I just don't feel the need to, to get a coach right now. I, yeah. I'm on my own time. I do what I love. I just go out and complete it. And a lot of times it's more about like finishing and trying to finish. Like maybe like my goal is always like top 20% of whatever I'm doing, whether it's like um, Ironman or trail running, ultra running, things like that. I try to be like in the top 20% where I'm like fast and efficient and I've got things dialed in but not necessarily like I need to be number one all the time. Cause I think that yeah. meant that mindset for me takes away a little bit of the experience. Cause I want to be able to sit there and enjoy it and take the whole, take everything in. Um, and I've found that if I try to go to be number one, like that can reduce the experience for me. For sure. So let's talk a little bit about your goal this year. Um, was it with what mountain is it that you're hiking up or uh, climbing Denali. up? Denali. Yeah. Okay. So where's that located and, and, uh, kind of how long is that going to take you and what are you doing to prep for it? Yeah. So Denali is a, a, one of those other dreams that's kind of been like a couple years in the making. Um, it is the highest point in North America up in Alaska. You fly into Anchorage, you take a, a bus about three hours and then you actually like fly onto the glacier um, onto the mountain. And we were supposed to do it last year and we had all of the logistics, like hundreds of hours of logistics, just planning, meeting, meeting with teams. Um, and COVID obviously came in and they just nixed the entire season. So we didn't end up going and that was, it was pretty unfortunate, but this year I've been able to go back, look at my, um, look at my itinerary and actually refine it. Um, so, uh, so I think I've been planning this for at least two years yeah. <laughs> and I'm getting, I'm getting all sick of like planning for the mountain and I'm like, I just want it to happen. But, <laughs> yeah. um, so I have a climbing partner and he and I have done a couple pretty big summit days, um, like 30 miles and like 10,000 feet of elevation on like 
on Glacier, which usually takes a long time to travel. And we've really dialed in our system and our work, like we work well together. And I think that's like one of the biggest aspects of a, a huge climb like Denali um, is that you have to find a partner that we work really well together with. So we've been refining the itinerary, trying to get it down um, and trying to get it down in like under seven days. Uh, the hard thing is that once you start going up in elevation, you start really pushing the limits of acclimatization. Um, so it's not only like you're going up 10,000 feet, 20,000 feet to the summit. It's like, there's all of these other, um, these other things that come into play. And one of them is altitude. So if you go up too fast and you aren't acclimatized, you can get what they call cerebral edema, cerebral edema or pulmonary edema, which is when either your brain swells up with fluid and like you can't walk straight or your lungs fill up with liquid and you essentially like drowned in your own lungs. So like, it's not only how far you can push your, push your body. It's like how much the elements are, are willing to like, let you go up. Allow you to uh, do that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so Jeez. with proper acclimatization, which is usually you go up and you come back down a little, you fill up, come back down a little. Um, the normal time frame is like two to three weeks um, without considering weather, which can sometimes pin you down for seven days. So. Yeah. So like I was just thinking about this while you were talking about it, but I remember when you went back, you pretty much said you had no experience in mountaineering. So how the fuck did you learn all this? Like, yeah. like how, like it's one thing for me to like, yeah, when I got into cycling, I just kind of like learned as I went, even ultra running, like I'll, I'll give you that. It's like, you kind of learn as you go, but mm -hmm. like you could die if you don't read the elements, right? Like, or if you don't yeah, like, just like you just said, like, oh yeah, you go up and then come back down. Nobody would ever really just think of that. Like if that was on a test, I would have failed that part of the test. Yeah, yeah that's true. Um, I, I think that's a, that's a great question. And it honestly was really, it was hard to get into it. So I had the idea to climb Everest in like 2016 or 2015-ish. And then- So six um, years ago. Yeah, yeah, six years ago. And I think the the word that comes to my mind of like how you get into it is through mentorship and self-research and self-reliance. So like I started just looking on every forum that I could find, like Reddit, just people's blogs that had climbed once or twice or like, on mountaineers looking on um like guided websites of what their itineraries look like and what they do and a lot of the resources pointed back to this book called the freedom of the hills which is if you had a textbook for mountaineering that's exactly what it is it is okay. like all of the basics and i like i would sit there during my lunch my lunches at work and i would just try to read through as much as i could and eventually i was like cover to cover i had finished it and it gave me like a ton of fundamental knowledge about mountaineering but the only way i could apply that is if i actually like had a group of people i could go with or like one solid mentor that can really show you the ropes like figuratively and literally so i joined this club when i was i lived in eastern washington back in 2017 for about a year and there was a club called the it was called imac like intermountain alpine club and it was just a bunch of people who had been mountaineering for five or 10 years and they got together, they wanted more climbing partners. So they created this club and literally like they had a 10 week course that was free. Every Tuesday you'd go and you'd hang out with a bunch of people. They would literally walk through like a curriculum and teach you all the basics, all the knots, all the rope techniques, 
um, how to acclimatize correctly, um, just everything you'd need to know from a fundamental level. And then at the end of that, there was a, a actual climb on uh, Mount Hood in Oregon. Mm-hmm. So we did that. And after that, you kind of like have learned the basics where you can be safe in the, in the mountains. Um, but then you kind of have to take a next level of like finding someone who's a little bit more skilled than you um, so that they can navigate all the things that you would never even think about, um, like where to be, like what is the avalanche train look like, um, where there's like high risk of uh, like rock fall, things like that, where you might not consider unless you've been in the mountains for a while. Wow, dude, that's like, yeah, that's just epic to think about. Cause you know, especially with COVID, like everybody's upset with COVID cause they've worked so hard to train for something this year. You know what I mean? And so like to think that you've been doing this for six years training for one thing in theory, um, and to just stay on top of it is, uh, is pretty wild to me. Um, it's, 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 it's insane. It's, it's actually kind of inspirational. So, um, yeah, man, I, I respect it a ton. Um, so after, after this, after, after Everest, what's next for Zach? I mean, like you've literally climbed Everest at that point. Um, is it just something that you're going to have to take by day by day? Yeah, I think that's another good question. And I, I usually tend to look out like five or six years in advance of like where I want to be. Obviously, do, look at you like right now. Yeah. Career or whether it's mountains. And I, I can't really see past that other than the fact that I know I want to keep climbing. I know I want to keep like pushing the limits and the boundaries. Um, although I do have this phrase that's like fast, light and safe um, because there's a lot of people that go fast and light and it, it, you can get a lot of um, dangerous. You can bring in an element of danger that's like unnecessary. Uh, but I think after this, I don't know, I, I'll probably want to do like the, I think the next step is usually like the seven summits of the seven highest peaks of, uh, different continents. But I think that's that's something that a lot of people strive for, and I think I want to kind of mold my own like style and see what I see what I want, what I want to do after that. Man, I I feel like you could make a docu series on all this stuff, and it would be really cool, and it'd be a good watch, and or like even like the Appalachian Trail or something yeah, along yeah. these lines. It would just be epic. Um, I don't know. Have you heard of Cody Townsend? Yeah, I, not even kidding. I just watched a video right before we talked about Cody Townsend. Um, summiting like summiting denali and then skiing off sweet he's been on the he's been on the podcast really that's awesome super super cool guy um and yeah i think i honestly think you guys would get on very well if you ever reached out to him um he's a really cool dude um yeah yeah, but 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 that kind of leads into my last question which we ask everybody that comes on this podcast um and i don't think i've prepped you for this sometimes i prep people sometimes i don't um and either way it works out. But, um, the question is, is if you could have one cup of coffee with one individual dead or alive, who would that individual be and why, and how would you take your coffee? Yeah, I would probably take it black. Okay. Um, and then I'm gonna have to think about who that is. I don't know. I, I, I would love to have just a cup of coffee with my friends. Um, yeah. like I, I really, I try not to look up to people too much to be like, fan over them too much but I, get I, think, you. I think there's sometimes like you want to aspire to be somebody and you can take certain elements from that person um but i'm really really invested in just like having good times with friends and whether mm. that's mountaineering or just like sitting back on the, the back porch and drinking some coffee like i 
that's my, my thing. Dude, that's awesome, man. Well, guys, if you haven't already, please go check out Zach's Instagram at Zach on Everest. Um, he's also got this GoFundMe. Are you still using this? Um, I still have it. I, I launched it during COVID and if, if someone wants to donate to my, my cause, that's great. But I also realize like, it's not always the best timing to ask people for money during COVID. I know well, like I'm going to push it, man. I want you guys to go donate to Zach's Mount Everest fundraiser in 2022. I'm going to put a description or a link in the description below. Um, I think you should be pushing this more too. Um, it's a cool thing that you're doing, man. And, 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 and yeah, people are getting let go of jobs, but also people are having to stay home and not spend money. And maybe they want to put their money towards this, like seeing somebody go do Everest. Like that's, that's amazing. So uh, guys, go check that out. It's going to be a link in the description below, as well as his social media. Uh, give him a follow. And uh, But other than that, guys, we'll see you next time. Thanks for yeah. watching. Thanks for having me on, John. Cheers. Cheers.